for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raw Recovery. Um, today's going to be a little different. Instead of telling a story, um, I have brought on a co-host. Uh, you guys heard her last week, Raquel Garcia, who is going to be my new co-host. We're going to, and uh, you know what? She knows enough. She's probably going to take over my show. That's all right. <laughs> Dion, Dion. Welcome, Raquel. Hey, well, hey, you're, you're, you're smarter, you're funnier, and you're prettier. I wouldn't blame them. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we've decided that what we want to do is we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about some of the, I don't, you know, we're going to talk about things that in depth a little more about things in recovery that are harder to talk about. Um, yep. You know, it's not subjects that are usually in the AA rooms or in recovery rooms because they're either um they're either uncomfortable to talk about or maybe people just don't have enough success in it so today we are going to talk about relationships and so we're going to be talking about relationships um you know with ourselves with god with other people uh husbands wives um brothers sister i mean there's a hundred different kind types of relationships you know, um, so how long have you been married, Raquel? Golly, I have been married for 23 years wow. at the end of May. Okay. Oh. I got married, I was 19 years old. Okay. Now, when I was 19, I did meet the person that I'm married to now. She's my high school sweetheart. And it was the first time that I, that I got sober. She was there also. Um, you know, and we can... Yeah, we could probably talk uh, some about, you know, what our past is like, but it, what it really comes down to is I would say 100% of my relationships, um, whether they were intimate or not, I was purely selfish in. Um, yeah. And until I took that away, until I started doing some things different, um, I couldn't have a successful relationship. Um you know, so I mean, my, do, my relationships were based on drama. You marry when you're 19 years old and um, both of you are using, uh -huh. <laughs> excuse me. So Chris and I were 19 years old and we met over um, Red Dog beer. I mean, we okay. met over keg parties. That's how we met. And that's the foundation. When you build a relationship that is grounded in a party on Friday and Saturday night, it doesn't give for a very good solid start. And we didn't know each other outside of that. Um, that's how we knew each other. And so it's mm -hmm. just chaos and friction from the start. Yeah. Um, and it seems like every relationship um, I went into with kind of a selfish mind. I always had some kind of motives. What can, what can this person, what is this person able to give me? And I'm not talking on an emotional level. I'm talking on a physical level. Um, oh yeah. Um, 
And well, and as a girl, Dion, I'll stop right there. As a girl, we knew that. Right? See, you guys were a step ahead of us all the time. Yeah, yeah, like we're not stupid, boy. Mama, mama had me at night, but last, not last night. But I had the opposite. I knew that and took advantage of it the other way, right? Sure. So where you were sitting there looking at looking at us one way, I was looking at y'all the same way, feeling like I could do. I knew exactly what I was doing. I yeah. knew exactly how to get what I want with what I have. I mm -hmm. wasn't a fool. Yeah, and you know, and. And we alcoholics think that we're we're so smart and that we're fooling everybody when really we're probably being fooled ourselves and we're so caught up in things. You know, so but, but what would you say? I know for me, the answer is, is God. I think it is. But I would have to say that God was my first successful relationship. Wow, what a powerful thing to say, Dion. God is your first successful relationship. I've never thought of it that way, but upon reflection, I got to say I agree. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how to have a relationship with anybody, right? And God at the beginning was not in my husband. It was in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous because that's, yeah. where, that's my story. And I didn't know how to have relationships with anybody. So God was um, reading you know, the promises, like I was asked to, that taught me how to have relationships, um, saying hello to people. God was in the rooms of AA. Um, that's where I began. That's where I knew how to start having relationships and talking to people. Yeah. And when, you know, yeah, when I got sober, I mean, I was married and you were too, when you, when you got sober, we know that we, we know the statistics. Most, most people that sober up do not stay married. Nope. And uh, that's because, you know, a lot of times the alcoholic changes and the other person does not, or the other person changes and the alcoholic can't get sober um, and it destroys the relationship, but they become different people. I watched my parents split up after, you know, and they're both very happily married today. So I'm happy for it because they were making right. each other miserable. Um right. Yeah, but so when I got in, so when I got sobered up, my sponsor said, Dion, you know, you, you know, you have a wife and you have kids and you have all these things and you need to have a successful relationship with them, but you're not going to be able to do anything until you have one with God and with your, and one with yourself too. And that's what yeah. takes time. That did take time. When I got sober, I didn't have a cheering squad either or anything like that and so um i had to be vulnerable and go to places because i didn't have a sober hus husband at home yeah it's not like i had sober support um i stayed my husband my story is that i he was drunk for eight years he's only been sober two years okay i've got 10 so together i did eight years of sobriety without him being sober okay um, and the only way i did that is with god because while we were, while, while he was still using and drinking and it was escalating in his own world, I just concentrated totally on a relationship with God uh -huh. and my 12 steps. And if yeah. I wouldn't have done that, it actually would have ruined the marriage. I would have been so consumed by him yeah. and what he was doing. Yeah. I would have destroyed us by not and, and, and women ask me that all the time. Ra Raquel, how do you do it with a drunk husband? How did you do that? I said, because I didn't, I let him do his thing and I continuously worked 12 for eight years mm -hmm. obsessively yeah. so that when it was time, I could handle that. Mm -hmm. I could handle that. Yeah.
And my, uh, my wife is non-alcoholic. Um, and she tried to keep up with my drinking. That didn't work out very well. Uh, in my house, she would hide her. She would actually hide her alcohol so that I wouldn't get to it. I never hid my alcohol um, mm. because then I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, I'm like, why would I want my alcohol that far away? And towards the end of my drinking, <laughs> I didn't hide my alcoholism from my family. And I kept trying to sober up, kept trying to sober up. And my wife continued to tell me, she's like, Dion, I'm going to love you until you learn to love yourself. And that's just, that's yeah. how it's going to be. Um, you know, and yeah, there's, I can win a lot of arguments with my wife, but there's times, well, I shouldn't repeat, I should uh, rephrase that. My wife allows me to win a lot of fights, but when it's time <laughs> to put down her foot, Dion shuts the fuck up because, um, you know, she really taught me to how to love somebody without expectations. True love, wow. unconditional love. That's what I'm looking for. Wow. What a new fucking concept to love somebody without an expectation. I got to yeah. say, that was a new one for me. Yeah. I only gave love ever by expectation before. Oh, yeah. And that is honestly, I didn't realize till right now, honestly, Dion, that that is actually what I did for Chris and I, when I just worked on my relationship with God is that I was just loving and doing what I needed to without an expectation. Yeah. Um, I see that struggle a lot. You know, mm -hmm. one thing is if this great, awesome thing that someone, I don't even know where it came from, but if love, love was only intended to ever be given. Yeah. So if it's only ever to be given, mm -hmm. the side effect is that everyone receives it. Yeah. I had that jacked up. I thought that love was only to be received and yeah. love to be given usually came with the physical body of mine. I had yeah. no concept that there was anything beyond those two ideas. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I got to tell you for, um, for a man that becomes it becomes a totally different topic and we do okay. not like to talk about it so we're going to talk about intimacy let's do it um i didn't know what it was i thought that i was some huge romantic guy blah blah no i was none of it i wasn't what i loved was the thrill of the chase that's what i loved once it was over it was an eagle song. The thrill is gone, see you around. And that's how I treated everyone. I could not commit. And I knew I couldn't commit because I knew how unfucking reliable I was. You know? But I also grew up, um, I was one of those, I was one of those boys that never disliked women. I've always loved girls. I um, mean, I've always chased girls. That's a good boy. Good boy. Because, <laughs> hello. <laughs> but they never really wanted me. So by the time I got a little bit older and I was a little more suave and better looking, whatever it was, I don't know. What suave, right. You know, my attitude was just, it was more like revenge for the times that I had been hurt because I didn't really know what it meant, you know. Um, and for me, it even comes down to, you know, uh, like, like people that bitch when they open a door for somebody and they don't say thank you. Right. right. That right there is, a, 
that is a great example of a selfish relationship. No, you're not in a relationship with that person, but you just developed one. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I have found that, you know, once I, once I found out how to love myself, then I could love other people. Then I could do it. Then right. I was capable of, of truly loving somebody else. Right. You know, I, uh, I, I think that's also what recovery teaches me when I sit down with another alcoholic, right? Um, is to, is I, I learned how to um, do things because it's in their best interest. I mean, of course it helps keep me sober, but it's a, I don't know, it was a selfless act. First time I ever volunteered to like do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless I was like, like I'd always help you move because that usually came with pizza and beer or something. And yeah. then I really didn't <laughs> help you move anything. I was just talking shit. Yeah. Um, and wasn't very helpful. Um, you know, in my, in what I realized too, is I didn't know, I always thought life could be more beautiful and I didn't know how yeah. to have relationships. I didn't see a good relationship. Yeah. Um, unfortunately I didn't see a mother ask for what she wanted in her relationship. Um, yeah. I didn't see a father appreciate a mother. I saw, you know, a diamond ring on Christmas day. Yeah. And I didn't see someone who said to my dad, mom, Hey, you know what? Thank you for working your ass off. I really appreciate you. I never heard any of that. And never, I remember even before Chris got sober, he was like, Raquel, relationships don't happen like that. I don't even know where you're talking about. That is <laughs> not real. And I'm like, it actually is real. You actually are supposed to work that way. Yeah. And <laughs> the beauty of it is in two years, I, I've never thought my marriage could be as good as it is now. In mm -hmm. the last two years, it has been a miraculous change to have two sober people present. And you guys, when I'm telling you, you want to talk about a jacked up relationship beyond, I want everybody just to close your eyes real quick. And I want you to picture all of the things that you and your husband or significant other could think about doing to each other to damage one another. Mm -hmm. every single thing y'all are thinking right now, my husband and I did every single one Yep. filed for divorce two times. Okay. Rehab. I mean, you yeah. name it. It was ugly and a complete restoration. Yeah. When both of us are free of substances and are mm -hmm. allowed to learn new behaviors and new patterns that create, that allow us to create a marriage that we want. It's the, it's amazing to me, Dion. It's amazing. That is. And I mean, we were jacked up 19. I didn't even get the marriage I wanted. <laughs> Married at 19. Uh -huh. I finally got the marriage I wanted when we were 40. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. You, and, and now you guys have a relationship that's just rock solid because, you know, your husband gets to have his program you get to have your program. And then when you meet up together, you put those things together and it's a solid force. Well, and Dion, the beauty of it is my husband doesn't work 12. No. That's not his story, right? And yeah. so I want to okay. give people hope because I was the woman thinking, I was that one who was like, oh my gosh, if he never walks in the rooms, I'm screwed. He found his own spiritual path. Good. And I have to honor that. And he mm -hmm. does... A He's happy and free because I was one of the narrow minded. I did get myself in there. Like if he doesn't work 12, I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah. And I have to allow him, like you said, you said your own program, but I wanted people to know that that could look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. But I just, 
I don't know what he does. He just, yeah. well, I do, but it's his thing and he doesn't yeah. worry about mine. Correct. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, you know, we're both AA members, but you know, I'll be the first one to say AA is not the only way. Heck, <sighs> AA stole it from Oxford group. Oxford group stole it from Christianity. There's, there's no original ideas here. No, no. there's no, no. no. The 12, the 12 give me definitely a foundation because I know mm -hmm. for my own self, without them, I couldn't have raised, like I have, we have four kids that sure. I still raise semi alone, right? Because Chris is drinking most of the time. Without the 12, you know, it taught me parenting. It taught me not just the relationship between my husband and I, but how to have relationships with my children, right? Like yeah. being honest with them. Yes. And, you know, like I use the 12 when we say practice in all my affairs, mm -hmm. practice in all of my affairs, relationships, responsibilities, yep. all of it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, there's some main things that are, that are the basis for, for every relationship. And I think the first one is honesty. You know, if we can't be, and there again, I, the, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. Okay? And I may be wrong, but it seems to be working for me. <laughs> if I want something for my wife, or if I want to love my wife, or if I want my children to know that I love them, I have to do it for me first. If I cannot do it for me first, I'm not, I'm not capable of doing it for anybody else. Um, because I need to know what that feels like and what it is that I'm passing along. And I need to know how to do it the right way. <laughs> right. Sometimes that involves asking them what that is. Yeah. You know. Right? Because we sometimes that's the assumption and that expectation is like, I, I used to try to love people the way I loved people. Yeah. That was another way. I, I had relationships. I would force the way I loved you on you, whether yeah. you want it or not. Mm -hmm. And then when I got rejection, I could be like... Oh, see, you rejected me. Yeah, but lost. I, yeah, right. A little bit of attitude and yeah. use it back against you. So I've learned to start looking at people and asking them what their needs are. Right, we get that yeah. gift in the amends part of our program where we ask people yeah. what they need. Wow, yeah. there's a new concept. What yeah. do you need? Yeah. What do you need, Dion? Yeah, then you know, and right there we're talking about the five different love languages, which are no secret anymore. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> People yeah. love to be loved certain ways. You know, I'm the kind of person where, you know, you could buy me something I would appreciate, but if you sat down and wrote me a note, uh, I'm going to love that even more. You know, now my wife doesn't necessarily, not saying she doesn't love handwritten notes, but she appreciates other different things like me freeing up her time or doing something, you know, going, taking my time to do something for her. Okay. I love your wife and I are the same now because I'm one of those, like what I call it of his acts of service. Yes. If you can do something that eases my workload. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell my husband, right? If you, you, you picking up the kids a little bit, like, Hey, can I pick the kids up? Or can I, you just taking a little load off my back tells me I love you. Like you would not believe. Yeah. Or, or let's say I did something wrong and I didn't know it. And my wife needs to approach me on it. Oh, we, right. you have to be open. You, your, your significant other has every right to come to you with a problem and you need to be open-minded about that. 
And Dion, that's the beauty of intimacy. Intimacy is, it is, you know, I, I have hard beauty tattooed on my hands because another word, intimacy is a hard beauty, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it reminds me of it. It's why I've got it tattooed on my hands. It's, a, it's hard to be intimate, but it's also not always roses. But if you say to your wife, the hard thing is, hey, wife, um, the other day when you said this to me, it kind of hurt my feelings or whatever the conversation may be, that's hard. The beauty is what comes after that. And yes. that is, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, okay, we can talk about it. And next time I'll call myself. You know, yeah. I some of those things in our marriage used to last weeks. Yeah. I mean, we could hold that grudge and not talk about that one. Oh, that's and simple for you. Are you, you. Yeah. fucking kidding me? I could just make his life hell for two damn weeks for something I never told him about. <laughs> And then, and now when you have these wonderfully mature relationships, I can talk to you right now. We talk it out mm -hmm. and it, it's done. Yeah. How many fights have you guys had during this uh, shutdown? None. Yeah. We haven't fought. Actually, I won't lie. I had a little something yesterday, but it wasn't really a fight. I got a little nasty, but, and I kind of snapped, but it wasn't about him and he knew it. And I yeah. turned around and I get to, you know, hello, work a program. And I was like, look, I'm so sorry for snapping yeah. at you. I apologize. And, but still it was over. Like it yeah. doesn't even linger. They don't linger. It used to stink in our house mm -hmm. on the stench. You know what I mean? And your kids got to smell it. Yep. It's disgusting. It is. It lingers. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, in times like this, it's even more important to then utilize other relationships. Yes. Your, your spouse is not your bitching post. They're not your beating post, okay? <laughs> They're the number one thing that you take care of, period. My, my spouse <laughs> drove that into my head. Well, uh, I always think of like, I have a, like if I'm on the stage of my life, it's me and God that sit on the stage and I'm looking out at this big, beautiful stage and all the people out that are looking at me, and there's, you know, some bystanders, and they're the ones usually throwing stuff up in the stands. But those first couple of rows are my important people. Yeah. And the first row is my sponsor, uh -huh. and then I have a pastor that I talk to, okay. and then um, two other advisors in my life. And before, if I'm having a problem with my husband, I go to them first yeah. and say, hey, can, can you tell me if I'm seeing something wrong? Like, is yeah. it me? You know, can because sometimes we we get a little we get distorted views, and I've I've been yeah. at this for a long time, mm -hmm. and I'm I do have successful relationship and a marriage and business and stuff, but that that's that's the spiritual maintenance of part of our life, right? Yes, so yes. I keep these important people in my life mainly to save me and my husband from me destroying our marriage, yeah. right? Because I can call my friend or I can call my spiritual advisor and say, hey help me and sometimes she will tell me and make sure your only spiritual advisors will tell you girl you're wrong yeah so i like to keep somebody in my arena that protects me that i can talk to yeah you know that's a and that's a very good point sometimes we think that we need to go talk to our spouse or our loved one and we don't wow. We don't even need to bring anything up to him or stir the pot. We're just going to be, we're just adding more confusion than harmony. And it's old behaviors. And sometimes, you know, we're human. That's the cool thing is we're human. Yeah. You know? And you know, my sponsor told me that the best way that I can show my wife that I love her is by staying sober. Yeah. That's the best way for me to do it. Because otherwise, 
I'm not going to be available. And she always used to tell me, Dion, I'm sticking around till the old Dion comes back because I know what he's like. You know, she knew me when I was young, you know. And Man, I was, she's a good one, Dion. You better hold on to her, Dion. Why do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good gonna, one right there. Let's, let's, we've been talking about spouses. So I want yeah. to cover maybe one other thing about that and then we move on to children. Let's go. Um, in, for Shannon and I, the way that we work things is there's give and take. And I know that people, I, there's contention on this, but we do what's called a 50-50. That means that I give 50% of the time and I take 50% of the time. And what usually happens in this relation in relationships is we feel like we're giving 100% of the time because we are. And if both people are giving 100% of the time, nobody's taking, and then you have two people that feel unappreciated. So you need to take time when your spouse or significant other is trying to give you something and you need to sit down and appreciate that. And that's what, that's, that's kind of how we work. Now, some days given, yeah, she might be doing 70 and I'm doing 30 or right. eight, but it, it evens out, but you should never ever do more than 100% because it's not going to do you any good. And it just goes to, just I did that. resentments. That's exactly what happened to me. I, I did that while my husband was drinking. When he was drinking for the probably the last five years, I did 150% with uh -huh. a chronic illness and sobriety and four kids. Mm -hmm. And I promise you the only thing that grew out of that was resentment. Mm -hmm. I, when I sit in front of a therapist and she says, and my, my girl, Betty Jo, I love her. She says, I go to see this therapist and she says, Raquel, and I mean, she's great in recovery in Southern Colorado. She's been one of my mentors for years. And she says, I said, I need to see you, Betty Joe. I'm going crazy. She sits me down and she says, okay, Raquel, I want you to write out all the things you have done to make this better. And I think that day I had written, I think that day I wrote like 75 things from like a marriage <laughs> retreat. I had been, oh, all these things, right? And she says, I said, help me, Betty Joe. And she says, honey, you don't need a therapist. Yeah. You just need me to tell you that you obviously are, have no control over the other person yeah. and to let it go. Because mm. if you have done 75 things to try to fix your marriage, where's yeah. his list? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, uh -huh. shit. It was like the biggest aha. And she goes, you don't need a therapist. You just need someone who's someone to validate you. And it's yeah. okay for you yeah. to leave. That's and I was like, oh. Did. Yeah, I just needed validation. <laughs> but it was that true. I, and it didn't yeah. do good it i was bitter and sitting before a counseling therapist thinking mm. i'm crazy yeah all because i'm running at 150 percent. yeah and we get we and we go and we go crazy when we do that because once we start to get into that point then we're into control oh yeah and love and control don't work they don't they don't mix well together no at love all. is freedom so all right let's move on to children yeah. Oof. I have four children. Two of them are, two of them are, um, are stepchildren, which doesn't make any difference in our family. But uh, you know, my children did get to see me drink, and they did get to see me sober up. So I, you know, I went through the, you know, the hard parts, and even then, it still takes a little bit, but of time. And I think that's where people have a hard time with it, when, especially when it comes to 
especially when it comes to children. And we, we, tend, we tend to think that they can just bounce back quick and that they can do these things. And again, expectations that are just not, nobody can meet those expectations. So they're unreasonable is what they are. Um, so I think when, it, when it's come to my kids, and we've talked about this again, um, but I, I, I love covering it, but there's a certain amend, it's called the living amends. And that's just us being who we are every single day. Um, what it, what's your story on uh, with you? <clears throat> well, I have four kids as well. I have a 17, let's see, Jordan 17, and all my kids, I have no anonymity, so there's no big deal in our house. Everybody knows about me. Um, Jordan's 17, Mackenzie's 16, Jaden's 14, and Jesse okay. is nine. All right. And then I've, I've been the foster mom to three other kids and teenagers. Um, and that's a blessing in sobriety yes. because those kids contact me because I have no anonymity when their parents are using. And so instead of going in the foster care system, um, they kind of figure me out or discover me and then they yeah. can live with me. To sure. try to get themselves a um, good head on their shoulders. Yeah. But, you know, Jordan was nine when I got sober. And he talks about it in this pretty powerful way that he says he remembers enough about life before to life after to have faith in God. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty powerful thing to know that my son's faith comes in the fact that he, he knows that my faith in God and something bigger than me has kept me sober. Um, yeah. I think they've seen me pray. I mean, I, I've, I've made it such a ceremonial thing in my house. They don't know anything different. Um, yeah. It just is what it is. The kids are smart too. I was able to, um, I told everybody I had parenting. I parented out of 12 steps. I didn't know even how to kind of be a mom at all. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. Yeah. And I 12 steps, my, I 12 step my kids. I, we, we are accountable. We admit we're wrong. Yeah. Um, we ran an entire nonprofit actually as a family for wow, four years. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. It was called Helping Everyone Recover. There was a big fire out in Black Forest. And I had this epiphany one day to like start this nonprofit. I was like, yeah. well, people, people recovering from fire, people recovering from drugs and alcohol. I don't know. Recovery is recovery. Yeah, and it sure the heck so, is. I, I mean, you're recovering from life. And so I did, we did that. And so through that, I was able to show my kids. And what you said is really important to Dion is the living amends. So many parents, and I, I'm a coach, I coach both parents and teenagers. And I see a lot of, you know, for kids, they hear their parents say something, but they see their parents do something different. Yes. And so when you talk about a living amends, that has probably been one of my anchors in my sobriety yeah. or my parenting. I want my kids to not see or hear about my recovery. I want them to see my recovery. Great point. You know, I'm, I absolutely agree. And even in the midst of me trying to get sober, because I relapsed, uh, I'm, I had two years that were just hell. But during that time, um, my son came to me and he'd been living with me on and off. And he came to me and he said, dad, you know, I've been hanging with my friends. I've been doing a lot of meth and I don't want to do this. And uh, he's what, 24 now. He was at 18, 19 when he came to me. And 
I don't know how he sobered up. I don't know what he did, but he's sober today. You know, he has a kid on the way, has a good job, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm hoping that what he did is he saw how much dad was going through and said, I don't want to do that. You know, and I'm coming up on four years and our relationship is just now getting to a point where we see each other and we just talk, you know, I don't ever talk to him about anything sobriety. Why? Because he's my son. He's not my sponsor. (laughs) He's not my my fellowship. My job is to protect him and to be there for him. That's my only, it's my only job. And I love it. I love it. My kids reach out to me all the time now before it used to be, Oh, don't tell dad, you know, because he'll go out and break somebody's kneecaps. We don't want that. You know, we don't want that. Well, I had a really, it was a really cool, um, a really cool, I guess, fulcrum in our relationship and in our family dynamic when I finally decided to put my foot down on Chris's drinking. I'd let it escalate and watch it spin out of control for about two years. And my daughter was 14. Okay. And she'd come home at night and she'd, she'd know daddy wasn't coming home. And this, this was just something that also had shown up in my history when I was 14. I remember my daddy coming home drunk and my yeah. mom had this opportunity to leave daddy and she didn't do it. You know, he, she never left. And um, this opportunity was standing before me. Here's God giving me the exact same moment in time. I couldn't believe it, Dion. And my daughter says, mom, where's dad? And I right. couldn't lie to her. I could not bullshit her. And I said, so, I said, baby, you know what I'm gonna tell you? I don't know where daddy is. Um, and I knew right then and there, I wasn't able to bullshit her. And I did, I filed for divorce the next week, um, uh-huh. on Chris so that we could finally start getting some definite boundaries in place for ourselves. But the beauty is that my daughter took it upon herself to write one of those letters. I think it's the saving grace to my husband. Um, I'd love to have him on here once. I'll, yeah, I'll have him come on here. It was really powerful. She wrote this letter that basically said, daddy, I can't live with you if you're going to keep drinking. Yeah. Um, I, I can't watch you do this to you. It makes me scared. You're shutting down pieces of me that make me sad. And But in the two years that they have rekindled this relationship, they laugh together. They joke together now. Um, and she doesn't live in fear of yeah. her father's reactions to her honesty, right? Because yeah. I remember I was that kid. And when I was honest in my family, I was ostracized and sent to mental yep. facilities. Uh-huh. Yep. So I'm trying to break those generational curses that That's come it. along with right there. Yep. Watching my family. And I just had a moment where it was another God moment. Almost the exact same moment got me sober. I was just like, no, I cannot repeat these patterns. Here we are, same moment in time, and I will make different choices. And by God's grace, that final put down on Chris, he's never picked up a drink since. Yeah. So I have seen the miracle. And you're right, it's to be patient with our children. Just because we're better, right? Like we, you can't mm-hmm. sell your sobriety, right? It's not like you can go door to door and convince people. Yeah. I tell people just be, and they will come. Never yeah. push them. They will Time. come. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a great example. There's, um, there was one day and at this point, I think I was a couple months sober and I was cleaning and I came across one of those uh, bottles that my wife would hide. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what it was. So I, I took it, you know, of course it goes through my mind, whatever, but I ended up pouring it out, throwing it away. I threw the bottle away cause I was in the middle of cleaning and my, uh, my stepdaughter came home 
from school. This was, you know, she's not in school anymore. All my kids are out of the house. So, but uh, she saw the bottle, the empty bottle sitting in the trash. She turned around and left the house. Okay. Why? Because she thought Dion was drinking again. And I couldn't blame her for that. Um, thankfully, my wife worked like three blocks away and I get a phone call from my wife saying, hey, you know, hey, Dion, um, have you been drinking? I don't want to ask you, but, and you know, and joyfully, not very joyfully, but I told her, no, I hadn't been drinking. And, you know, of course she didn't want any hurt feelings, things like that. Um, but now if that daughter was to walk in and, and see that, she wouldn't think twice about whether I was drinking or not. You know, yeah. like, what, is that your brothers or something? You know, she might ask a question, but she would not think it was me. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, we live in a small town. I live in Larkspur, Colorado, and um, are in Palmer Lake area. And okay. we were at this, amazing, we were, the kids were doing trick-or-treating in the small town. And, you know, all the women, it's kind of interesting, mom, mom groups now, everything's about drinking wine, right? So needless yeah. to say, I'm not, I'm not really invited to go as much anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, they, they are having, all the kids are going around doing trick-or-treating and we're sitting at this little speed track coffee shop and one of my favorite places and everyone in town up here knows that I'm like literally the most out loud non-drinking alcoholic, right? I'm yep. in recovery. And um, so I'm sitting there having coffee and the girls are having a little cocktail or whatever. And Jaden tells me, he goes, mom, when I'm walking around with my friends, they were all teasing. And I said, what were they teasing about? He said, mama, they were teasing, saying, I wonder how many drinks our moms had when we get back there. They're probably going to be really yeah. tipsy. And Jaden goes, oh, not my mom. And the kids are like, oh, come on. Your mom probably had one. And Jaden's like, literally, my mom probably didn't even have one. My mom doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. and, I've, and it does not cross their mind ever. One yeah. day I accidentally slipped and my daughter thought I'd said I drank. And if you'd have seen the look in her <laughs> face... <laughs> Whoa, I saw them darts because she's 16 years old. So her darts look a lot like her mama's darts. Yeah. And she looked at me and I thought, I didn't say that, baby girl. I swear, I swear. Oh, that's hilarious. It is such a comfort, too, that like during that time I was dealing with their father, they knew that I was never, right? Yeah. Like that was such so grounding to hear from them. Mom, I never, it never crosses our mind. And if, mm -hmm. if that's the one security in their entire life, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I fuck up as a mom all the time. I am not by any means perfect. Even yeah. as a, as a coach of youth, I still get things wrong. But if I can ground them in some security that their mama will always be of solid mind, to the best of her ability, she won't ever be um, under the influence, if they're grounded in that, and if that's the one thing I can give them, then, yeah. then that's one yeah. thing. But, you know, and cause I kind of understand probably where your husband came from also. Cause they, they tell people that you're supposed to sober up for yourself. Um, and I sobered up for my wife and kids, you know, when my wife made the decision that it was time to put her foot down, my kids supported her in that. So and that mine. was, in, including my kids, you know, not just my yeah. stepkids, but all the kids were behind it. Yes. And, you know, back then, no, I didn't really appreciate that because everyone's against me. Yeah. And they aren't <laughs> against you. They love you so much that they want something better for you. They're not against you. So to know that, so you know, my wife had that backing, I mean, how could it not be the right thing? My husband had the same thing. You know, people do say, I hear the same thing beyond the, like what, at first I'm the mama who just got sober. Cause I thought I was, 
going to kill my kids. I was a stay-at-home mom drinker. I used to hide vodka in the laundry baskets. That's when I drank. And um, uh-huh. I'd, even, I'd even get a nap in before I picked them up for the afternoon school. Oh, heck I had yeah. it down to a science. And so um, I got sober, I think, just to try to be a better mama. And then, yes, it changes beyond that, yeah. right? It gets to grow into something bigger and better. But if, if I know a lot, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, I don't care why. Yeah. You know, and if it's for your kids then so be it. I, I am so grateful that I have children who my son tells me the other day, you know, watching relationship, we're talking about it. And he says, he's, he was dealing with something. He says, you know, mama, I, I realize now kids my age don't really talk about the things that are important in relationships, yeah. mom. They don't they, they wonder if we like the same movies or music, but when I'm thinking about a relationship, I want to know if they value truth and honesty and communication. Mm-hmm. I about fell the fuck out, Dion. I was like, what did you just say? Because yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's recovery. That's yeah. what a recovering mother can do for a son because he, yep. he knows his values. He knows that he values honesty, communication, and, and trust. He says yeah. they're the three most important things in a relationship. And that's recovery, Dion. And he's absolutely right because he doesn't, he, he's talking about the basics. And yes. it's always back to basics. With any, always, you can always go back to basics, because when you have those things, then, then that, then the J word doesn't come up, which is jealousy. You know, we haven't even talked. Mm-hmm. To, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't even touched on jealousy yet. But I think that comes back to the control and everything. I think the reason we didn't go over jealousy is because it just doesn't have a part in a relationship. It just no, not anymore. Yeah, my wife tells me all the time. Yeah, I'm glad my wife's not a jealous person because I work with a lot. There's a lot of women in recovery. So I talk. You with know what? Women. There's this great book. If I'm going to give you all a little reference out there. There's this great book, Dion, called The Zim Zum of Love. Okay. Great little book. It's a short read, but it talks about the space between us. And okay. I love, I'll, I'll bring it up because I think it's really important to all relationships and what we deal with in the space between us, whether it's myself and my husband, you and I on this show, what do we want this space between you and I to be? I think it's a beautiful metaphor to what we put in. And my husband and I did have jealousy show up in about February, right? And I just at the timing that I'm reading this book, and it gave me great language to tell him, hey, dude, I got to be honest, I think jealousy is in the space between us. Yeah. And I don't think jealousy belongs in the space between us. And I've even been able to use it with my son because, mm-hmm. you know, we had something where he wasn't getting some stuff done in school. And I was like, Hey, I feel like there's dishonesty, like in the space between us, like we're off. It's been a great metaphor. So if I can recommend that book, it just gives a great picture to what you want in relationships. And for you, Dion, it's a great, you'll almost get to see in hindsight what's already happened. Right. Yeah. Cause you're like, it's almost like, Oh, that's what we've been doing. Because yeah. you and I don't have jealousy in the space between us in our marriages. Yeah. Uh, and well, you know, and it took time for all of that to get there. And what did it take? Trust, honesty. Honesty, wow. communication. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and communication. And yeah. willing to have hard conversations. You know, I think, I think in relationships, what we are all avoiding is the tough things. We're avoiding what's hard. Mm-hmm. We are avoiding... One, one thing with Chris and I in our healing in our marriage, we had to say was we both had infidelity in our background and we both knew that it hurt each other, but mm-hmm. no one had ever heard each other talk about the hurt. That was a yeah. new space for us to be mm-hmm. in, but it really did 
make that go away. It hasn't shown up in the space between us since we had that conversation. Yeah. But it used to show up all the time. Yeah. But that's because and, and all we you wouldn't had, have it. All you had to do was open your mouth and talk about it. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Get yeah. the hell out of here, dude. Yeah. What? I remember I was uh seeing my therapist my wife always went with me number one because i need a ride and two she's she's my rock there isn't anything i don't know <laughs> and we were you know we were talking one day because we kind of felt like we were going through some things so we brought up to the therapist hey would you mind doing some you know some some you know marriage counseling with us yeah and he laughed at us <laughs> it's like you guys don't need therapy <laughs> no you don't need it Sorry. <laughs> uh, it doesn't that feel good. Yeah. No. This guy didn't want my money. He actually wanted what was right for me. Um, now he doesn't return my phone calls. I must be well or something. I don't know. You must be well or something. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is in relationships. It's the things we don't want to talk about. But, you know, there's that little truth shall set you free. But it does. And I did. I can say even in my relationship with my husband all this time, I would drink or drug or do anything to avoid the hard conversations. I oh, really yeah. didn't want to have them. I never saw them being had. Um, I, I, learned, I learned how to have tough conversations when, when I made amends. That was yeah. like where I learned how to just own my side of the street, mm -hmm. talk about that, and move on. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think our fear is that our our relationships aren't strong enough to withhold that. Yeah. But our relationships become strong by withholding that. By withholding. That's exactly it. Um, right. And, and it's like we put the things in the wrong order. You know, just yes. like the, the, the only way to true to independence is dependence on a power greater than yourself. You know, well, the only way we're going to get through the difficult times is by having difficult conversations. If I can't have a difficult conversation with my wife, I'm not going to be capable of having one with anyone else. Right, right. And that's intimacy. Yeah, that's true. Intimacy is built. I mean, I think Chris and I, I, when I got married at 19, I was blessed. I had a parents who never told me marriage was hard. They heard Chris and I were getting married and everyone was like, yay. And my brother was a fashion designer in New York and they made me a dress and we got down the <laughs> aisle and I went to like this, I think a 24 hour marriage thing at the church. Uh -huh. Chris and I were just talking about this yesterday. Neither one of us remember what the hell that guy said. Not one thing. And we were talking to my son about relationships. I was like, I don't remember, but I remember the party. And my husband said something. He said, you know what should have been a good sign for us, Raquel, is both of us stumbled to our bedrooms that night. And I yeah. said, wow, that probably was a sign of things to come. But I always wanted the fairy tale. But nobody yeah. ever told me, nobody ever said, hey, Raquel, Chris, when money gets really tight, what are you guys going to do? How are mm -hmm. you going to have conversations? Nobody ever, nothing. Yeah. And so we didn't know. But now I'm brave enough to have them because mm -hmm. a good friend of mine, Sarah, said in her marriage, she said, one of my things I think about is my regrets is it's not the fights I had. It's the ones I didn't have. It's not yeah. even the fight. It's the how much I wasn't willing to speak is what I regret in my last relationship. Yeah. And I've kept that. I've thought about that. You know, I needed to be brave and say, Hey, Chris, I need you to quit drinking yeah. because I'm, I'm drowning over here as a mom mm -hmm. with four kids. That was brave, yeah. um, but it, and it was hard and it was scary. But the reality, but the beauty side of that is that he is totally sober and present 
uh-huh. and um, I can now ask for what I want in my marriage. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to demonstrate that as a mother to our kids. You know, we talked about kids. It's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. We are supposed to show them how to do it so that yeah. they can do it. Yeah. And our kids need to see their parents having these critical conversations. Yes. Um, my, yeah, my son and one of so my, I have a son, Shay and a, a daughter, Megan. Megan is my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, those two are together. So they, you know, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, Shannon, Shannon, I'm me. So it's kind of, and they're both exactly like us. And they're getting ready to have a child. And what have they done? They've had these critical conversations. They've had, you know, they felt comfortable enough to fall in love because it's a judgment-free zone over here. Right. Because I'm not going to judge them for it. Neither is my wife. And they know that if anybody does, dad's probably going to go off on them. So well, uh, yeah. can, that way they can feel protected. <laughs> exactly. Because they're not doing any. I tell some people like, oh, oh, I don't. What a beautiful that. story. What yeah, a beautiful is. story. I know. Well, I now mean, I have, look at it. Dan and I have always wanted to have a baby and now we get to have one. So. Yes. Oh, uh, that makes me tear up. The mama in me just loves that. Dion, you're going to have some people crying on this. So how, how can, how can things that are, how can things be wrong when they're so right? Yeah. Amen. It's just. <laughs> Amen. And only God, only God creates that, that right. story right there. Something that is unconventional, totally correct, makes sense, is beautiful on the out, mm-hmm. like a beautiful story. That is only God. God, that's, yeah. that's a story. And I, I, I would think something would be wrong if they weren't in love. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, so do, cute. Do we have any words of wisdom today that we could uh, that we could pass on to people about relationships? Words of wisdom. Golly, you know, my words of wisdom, I think, are. When it comes to relationships, I'm going to ask that you find someone to talk to who can stay objective and who's willing to also tell you that you might be off in your relationships. Because I think for me, that was really important throughout the last 10 years of my marriage is that I did need people because it's easy to have, especially women, right? Y'all girls, we got the girlfriend who will hate the man when we hate the man, right? I love him when he loves him, but I hate him. I don't need someone to be on my bandwagon all the time. I need Mm -hmm. someone to go, Hey girl, you might be being disrespectful to him. Um, And also a cheerleader, right? I I tend to be that um, in my friendships, um, which is probably why I only have like three, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay because those three friendships are important to me and I get to be that in their life. So my word of wisdom is find somebody, both male and female, a sponsor, a mentor, a pastor, somebody who has a relationship that, that you want, something that you want, you right? Yeah. And, and who's willing to be honest with you and, and ask them to guide you because there's no shame in saying, Hey, I don't know how to relationship. Yeah. Help. Help. Exactly. Help. Yeah. Um, it looks like I just, I just got a text. It's a words of wisdom from my, from my wife. So let's see what she says. Yeah. Let's see what she says. You can't have true unconditional love without complete trust. Amen. Absolutely. 
And the only way to be trust to, to have trust is to speak. Is to speak. speak. Say what's on yep. your mind. Yep. Talk and about be, the hard shit. And talk about the hard stuff. What would be, let's see, because I want to give words of wisdom for men, obviously. Men, if you're looking for somebody in your life, then make room for that person. Then you become that person. As a man, and you bring a you bring a, a woman into your life. I can't I can't speak for men and men. Sorry, guys. Um, you need you need to understand that she needs to feel protected. That means emotionally, mentally, and physically protected. Okay? And that is your and that is your job. Right? Um, if you do that, I guarantee you, man, your life's going to be entirely different. My other uh, words of wisdom on that, stay the fuck out of her business. Just stay out of it. If she wants your help, she'll ask you. <laughs> yeah, don't try to fix us. We will yeah. ask. I promise. That was, actually, yeah. that was actually our fight on Saturday. I was like, don't try to fix it. Just let me sit in it. That was yeah. like what I got mad about. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You're right. Just we'll, we'll make it. Just mm -hmm. let us sit in it. Just be available for her when she's done and be there for her. So. Beautiful. Right on. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I think we should do more of these. I agree. I've gotten good rapport. I think, or I've gotten good reports. People like us sit together, I guess, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll figure out why. Yeah. I, I, think it, I think it works out well. <laughs> I think it does too. I, yeah. I love the energy. I love the energy between us in this yeah. space. Yeah, it works real well. And, you know, I think with you know, we're kind of opposite, you know, men and women. So we're able to cover, we're able to cover those. Um, I just want to put out there, if people have topics that they want to hear about that we're not bringing up, um, feel free to bring it out. Um, and then you and I can talk about this, but uh, I talked about it a little bit. Um, but if we do this consistently, we can do it on Podbean and then people can call in, uh, ask us questions and be a part of the conversation, which would be pretty cool. So I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty much an open book, y'all. If you have ever have questions, you know, if you want to reach Dion and he'll get them to me, um, I'd be happy to answer. There's, I kind of told my husband I'm, I'm ready to open it up. So um, there's not much I'm not willing to talk about. If you got questions, if you're struggling, again, reach out. It's okay to not know. That's yeah. my other one. It's okay not to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will be back. I think we're planning on trying to do this weekly. So we will try and be back next Monday. You know, uh, we'll come back with a new topic. Thank you for being here, Raquel. Um, got it, I'm looking forward to doing this. Yeah, me too. All Take right. care of you. Be safe. Be safe. Love you guys. Peace out. Love you guys. Have a day.